Chapter Fourteen of Varney the Vampire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume One, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter Fourteen. Henry's agreement with Sir Francis Varney. The sudden arrival at the hall. Flora's alarm. On the tray which the servant brought into the room were refreshments of different kinds, including wine, and after waving his hand for the domestic to retire, Sir Francis Varney said, "'You will be better, Mr. Bannerworth, for a glass of wine after your walk, and you too, sir. I am ashamed to say I have quite forgotten your name.' "'Marchdale. Mr. Marchdale. I, Marchdale. Pray, sir, help yourself.' "'You take nothing yourself?' said Henry. "'I am under a strict regimen,' replied Varney. "'The simplest diet alone does for me, and I have accustomed myself to long abstinence.' "'He will not eat or drink,' muttered Henry, abstractedly. "'Will you sell me the hall?' said Sir Francis Varney. Henry looked in his face again, from which he had only momentarily withdrawn his eyes, and he was then more struck than ever with the resemblance between him and the portrait on the panel of what had been Flora's chamber. What made that resemblance, too, one about which there could scarcely be two opinions, was the mark, or seatrix, of a wound in the forehead, which the painter had slightly indented in the portrait, but which was more plainly visible on the forehead of Sir Francis Barney. Now that Henry observed the distinctive mark, which he had not done before, he could feel no doubt, and a sickening sensation came over him at the thought that he was actually now in the presence of one of those terrible creatures, vampires. "'You do not drink,' said Varney. Most young men are not so modest with a decanter of unimpeachable wine before them. Pray help yourself. I cannot. Henry rose as he spoke, and turning to Marchdale, he said, in addition, Will you come away? If you please, said Marchdale, rising. But you have not, my dear sir, said Varney, given me an answer yet about the hall. I cannot yet, answered Henry. I will think. My present impression is to let you have it on whatever terms you may yourself propose, always provided you consent to one of mine. Name it. That you never show yourself in my family. How very unkind! I understand you have a charming sister, young, beautiful, and accomplished. Shall I confess, now, that I had hopes of making myself agreeable to her? You make yourself agreeable to her? The sight of you would blast her for ever, and drive her to madness. Am I so hideous? No, but you are— Hush, Henry, hush! cried Marchdale. "'Remember, you are in this gentleman's house.' "'True, true. Why does he tempt me to say these dreadful things? I do not want to say them.' "'Come away, then. Come away at once. Sir Francis Varney, my friend Mr. Bannerworth, will think over your offer, and let you know. I think you may consider that your wish to become the purchaser of the hall will be complied with.' "'I wish to have it,' said Varney, "'and I can only say that if I am master of it I shall be very happy to see any of the family on a visit at any time.' A visit, said Henry, with a shudder, a visit to the tomb were far more desirable. Farewell, sir. Adieu, said Sir Francis Varney, and he made one of the most elegant bows in the world, while there came over his face a peculiarity of expression that was strange, if not painful, to contemplate. In another minute Henry and Marchdale were clear of the house, and with feelings of bewilderment and horror, which beggar all description, Poor Henry allowed himself to be led by the arm by Marchdale to some distance, without uttering a word. When he did speak, he said, "'Marchdale, it would be charity of some one to kill me.' 
To kill you? Yes, for I am certain otherwise that I must go mad. Nay, nay, rouse yourself. This man, Varney, is a vampire. Hush, hush! I tell you, Marchdale, cried Henry, in a wild, excited manner, he is a vampire. He is the dreadful being who visited Flora at the still hour of midnight, and drained the life-blood from her veins. He is a vampire. There are such things. I cannot doubt now. Oh, God, I wish now that your lightnings would blast me, as here I stand, for ever into annihilation, for I am going mad to be compelled to feel that such horrors can really have existence. Henry, Henry! Nay, talk not to me. What can I do? Shall I kill him? Is it not a sacred duty to destroy such a thing? Oh, horror, horror! He must be killed, destroyed, burnt, and the very dust to which he is consumed must be scattered to the winds of heaven. It would be a deed well done, Marchdale. Hush, hush! These words are dangerous. I care not. What if they were overheard now by unfriendly ears? What might not be the uncomfortable results? I pray you, be more cautious what you say of this strange man. I must destroy him. And wherefore? Can you ask? Is he not a vampire? Yes, but reflect, Henry, for a moment, upon the length to which you might carry out so dangerous an argument. It is said that vampires are made by vampires sucking the blood of those who, but for that circumstance, would have died and gone to decay in the tomb along with ordinary mortals, but that being so attacked during life by a vampire, they themselves, after death, become such. Well, well, what is that to me? Have you forgotten, Flora? A cry of despair came from poor Henry's lips, and in a moment he seemed completely, mentally and physically, prostrated. God of heaven, he moaned, I had forgotten her. I thought you had. Oh, if the sacrifice of my own life would suffice to put an end to all this accumulating horror, how gladly would I lay it down. I, and in any way, in any way, no mode of death should appall me, no amount of pain make me shrink. I could smile, then, upon the destroyer, and say, Welcome, welcome, most welcome. Rather, Henry, seek to live for those whom you love, than die for them. Your death would leave them desolate. In life you may ward off many a blow of fate from them. I may endeavor to do so. Consider that Flora may be wholly dependent upon such kindness as you may be able to bestow upon her. Charles clings to her. Humph! You do not doubt him. My dear friend, Henry Bannerworth, although I am not an old man, yet I am so much older than you that I have seen a great deal of the world, and am perhaps far better able to come to accurate judgments with regard to individuals. No doubt, no doubt, but yet, nay, hear me out. Such judgments, founded upon experience, when uttered, have all the character of prophecy about them. I, therefore, now prophesy to you that Charles Holland will yet be so stung with the horror of the circumstances of a vampire visiting Flora that he will never make her his wife. Marchdale, I differ from you most completely, said Henry. I know that Charles Holland is the very soul of honor. I cannot argue the matter with you. It has not become a thing of fact. I have only sincerely to hope that I am wrong. You are, you may depend, entirely wrong. I cannot be deceived in Charles. From you such words produce no effect but one of regret that you should so much err in your estimate of any one. From any one but yourself they would have produced in me a feeling of anger I might have found it difficult to smother. It has often been my misfortune through life, said Mr. Marchdale sadly, to give the greatest offence where I feel the truest friendship, because it is in such quarters that I am always tempted to speak too freely. Nay, no offence, said Henry, 
I am distracted, and scarcely know what I say. Marchdale, I know that you are my sincere friend, but I tell you I am nearly mad. My dear Henry, be calmer. Consider upon what is to be said concerning this interview at home. Ay, that is a consideration. I should not think it advisable to mention the disagreeable fact that in your neighborhood you think you have found out the nocturnal disturber of your family. No, no. I would say nothing of it. It is not at all probable that, after what you have said to him, this Sir Francis Varney, or whatever his real name may be, will obtrude himself upon you. If he should, he surely dies. He will, perhaps, consider that such a step would be dangerous to him. It would be fatal, so help me heaven, and then I would take such a special care that no power of resuscitation should ever enable that man to again walk the earth. They say the only way of destroying a vampire is to fix him to the earth with a stake, so that he cannot move, and then, of course, decomposition will take its course, as in ordinary cases. Fire would consume him, and be a quicker process, said Henry, but these are fearful reflections, and, for the present, we will not pursue them. Now, to play the hypocrite, and to endeavor to look composed and serene to my mother, and to Flora, while my heart is breaking. The two friends had by this time reached the hall, and leaving his friend Marchdale, Henry Bannerworth, with feelings of the most enviable description, slowly made his way to the apartment occupied by his mother and sister. End of chapter 14